is today? Today? It is Wednesday, my dude. This is gonna be great! <laughs> Hello everybody, it is Pastor Adam here once again on a Wednesday for the Wednesday Podcast Devotion. A uh, little news update for you. I joined the gym, Dynamic Fitness, Monday, started working out there. Yesterday I had a consultation with the uh, personal trainer and uh, he put me through a high intensity interval training, I think that's what it's called, and uh, after some initial, you know, talking, uh, some body scan, warming up, he got to the real meat and potatoes of the, uh, of the workout, and it started with uh, the assault bike, which if you don't know what the assault bike is, it has assault in it, it means it sucks, it's terrible. So 45 seconds as fast as I can go on that. Um, and if you start the first 10 seconds, you're like, Psh, I could do this. At about 15 seconds, you're like, mm, not, not awesome. And then 20 seconds, you're like, this is terrible. 30 seconds, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And 40 seconds, you're like, I'm going to die. And then you just got to power through the other five seconds, right? Bad. Immediately off of that, your quads are on fire. Then he took me over to the war ropes that was already set up, so there's no waiting in between. War ropes, again, has the word war in it. It's not, not awesome, but the big ropes that you take your hands and go back and forth with them. And 45 seconds of that, and uh, Ed, that's, that's rough too. Um, not as bad as the assault bike, but tough. And then as soon as I'm done with those 45 seconds, then I do 45 seconds of box jumps. And so I was done with that and just wiped and then we have to do it again after like five minutes rest so then you go get do your regular workout but i couldn't because uh, i had to get home for my wife had women's group coming over but then i was thinking and i did being like all right i did it you know got a good workout in no it was four and a half minutes total of me doing stuff that's ridiculous i am out of shape this is ridiculous so bummed me out although i have to say with all that i'm not sore in my legs like i thought i was going to but um yeah, it was something so the plan is to drop some lbs pretty quickly without drastically changing the diet because here's the thing i want to be happy in life i don't want to start eating salads and vegetables, which are disgusting, first of all. But if I, if I, let's just say overnight I could be ripped, like shredded, like you'd see like with the six pack and all that, but I couldn't have the delicious food that I have. That's not happiness to me. I would not like that. I'd be like, no, give me back my dad bod as long as I can eat some stuff. I am a dad after all. But this thing's going to be slimming down, this, this vessel that you see. Uh, you'll be seeing it by, I have milestones at 
Christmas, my anniversary, which is Valentine's Day, and my daughter's graduation, which is in May. So when we hit it, we're going to be good, confident, good stuff. All right. Anyways, let's dive right in to the devotional. The pleasantries, the quips, the anecdotes, done. We're going to get right to it. And it's a serious one today. All right. So we're going to start with the Great Commission. Now, hopefully everybody is familiar with it. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right. So this is something Jesus is commanding us to do. Got it. And I think for the most part, we all get it. We all understand that. We make the disciple, we help them form a relationship with Christ, we get them baptized, and then we spend the rest of our lives helping them grow in their faith. And that's the order in which the commandment tells us to do it. Now, over the past few weeks, I've been involved uh, in, in quite a few things here at the church, um, including membership class, our baptism orientation, and just very recently, last week, a very heartbreaking funeral here at the church. And all of these things have been, all the, the three things that make disciples, the baptism, and then spend your rest of your life helping them grow, have all been demonstrated to me in these past events alone, which was really impactful on me. An eye-opening and inspiring. It just gave me a lot to think about, process, and and incorporate. <clears throat> so we had two people baptized this week, a young boy and a mature woman. Both of them decided to make uh, make it public or official, whatever you want to say, and declare in front of a bunch of people um, that they were going to follow Jesus. So they made this commitment to Christ. They demonstrated it in public with that baptism. And now they need to commit to obeying his commands. And that's a lot of work on their half, but it's also with our help, of course. Like we have to be a part of that. His church, friends, family, all that. And and that help is demonstrated in a number of ways. So for the young boy, if it's a young boy or girl, the most important people to disciple them is the parents. Now, along with that are the church members who should be you know, gathered around them, looking out for them, walking alongside them, and encouraging them. And they should be, and those, the young boy, girl should be involved in children's ministry or a youth program, depending on their age, to further their knowledge, have other people pouring into them, like the youth pastors and youth leaders and all that. And hopefully, when they're old enough to go to college or leave for the military or go to a trade school, or maybe just joining the workforce, you know, maybe school's not for them. They're just going to go work. They hopefully with all of that, since the baptism, they will have a solid foundation to keep them from, you know, veering off course. Now for that mature woman or, or man, if you, you know, so whoever is older, uh, one of the first things I would suggest after being baptized and publicly saying, I'm going to be following Christ is to join a small group. Um, and, 
that small group will will learn with them. Like they, they'll learn more with that small group. They'll grow with that small group. Um, that small go small group will hold them up in times of struggle. Will pray for them. Uh, they'll hold them accountable, and hopefully, a lot of the people in that small group will model what living the Christian life is all about. And once that has happened, and, and they have found a church that they call home, well, then the next logical step would be the membership aspect. And in that membership class, it's taught the importance of being part of the body of the church. Now, we know that when we become Christians, we become part of the body of Christ. And that body of Christ is the only message I gave from stage here at Point North. And I pointed out that we all have talents and abilities and contribute to the body. We, we should be contributing to the body of the church, right? Uh, and in that message, I also called out a lot of people for being parts of the body that don't really do anything, like wisdom teeth, the gallbladders, the appendixes. Appendix? Is appendix already plural, or is it appendixes, if I'm talking about a bunch of them? I guess we don't. We'll never know. I don't know. Regardless, the point was to, and my message was to encourage them to, you know, do something. Do something with your life to contribute. And even though those things are, are celebrated, you know, like, the point was to encourage them and to, you know, do something. But even though those things are celebrated, like the baptism is celebrated, the uh, like contributing to like using your talents to serve and do all that, those things are celebrated. It's a good thing. But those things also require a lot, right? Like a lot of work. So when I said, eh, when you make the disciple, you, you baptize them, then you spend the rest of your life helping them grow in faith, right? The rest of my life, that's, that's a lot to ask. And a lot of people say, no thanks. And you might be thinking, I'm going to say, it isn't that much. No, it actually is a lot of work. And when someone is baptized, that person should know what they're signing up for. A lifetime, a lifetime commitment, but a different lifetime than they had before. Because it's easy to meet someone, invite them to church, even if you're even bold enough to invite them, pray for them to someday accept Christ and be baptized. Because trust me, that's what happens. And I know from that, from our Who's Your One campaign that we ran, uh, that wall in the front where we used white ping pong balls, and, and the, the point was to have people write the name of someone that they would like to come into a relationship with Christ. We write it on that ping pong ball, we put it in the, the box, right, so you could see it. Um, then we had green ping pong balls that you fill out that says that you had a gospel conversation with them. And then there's a blue ball that you would write the name on that per of that person if they had accepted Jesus and come into a relationship with him. Now, let me just tell you, there were a whole lot of white ping pong balls with people's names on it. We're really good at praying for and wanting people to come to a relationship with Christ. There was a lot less 
green balls. I mean, a lot less. So the actual work of talking to that person, having those gospel conversations, explaining things, that is a lot harder and it doesn't, didn't happen a lot. Now, there were some blue ones. There was some blue ones, which we celebrated. And we, even if there was only one, it's amazing that that one person came to Christ. But that whole campaign just showed me as a society, we're, we, if we're Christians, we want people to come into a relationship with him, but not necessarily psyched about the work that goes into it. It shows the level of commitment to the majority of, of churches in terms of following the Great Commission. We're all about praying for them to come to Christ, not so much about talking to them about it. Now, I'm not trying to make this podcast a, a complaining session telling everyone that they suck in making disciples, even though we do suck at it. And sometimes truth hurts. But here's the thing. There's always excuses. What are the top excuses that we can't go make disciples to begin with? Well, we have lack of time, so no time. Lack of knowledge. I don't really know everything that I would feel comfortable about talking to them, like the Bible. I'm not I'm not a Bible scholar. I just don't feel like. But the big thing is fear. Uh, the fear is you don't know what to say. You don't want to feel uncomfortable, awkward. You don't want people to think bad of you if they don't accept you. There's a whole lot of fear that goes into it that keeps people from telling others about the good news of Christ. But let me tell you something that happened to me that happened here that not only convicted me, but it just whacked me across the head. So, and this is super sad. Um, I attended a funeral for a two-year-old boy. And I've been to a whole lot of funerals uh, in my life, from my own family members to friends from high school um, to uh, strangers that I didn't know. Um, but every single one of them, regardless of my relationship to them, whether it be close or I didn't even know them, I've always felt some sort of grief. Uh, just, I feel the weight of the situation. Um, but this one, maybe because I am a dad, it just felt like a ton of bricks was on my chest and in my heart. And I could just feel the heartbreak in that room from everyone. And in my time as a pastor, I've heard many different pastors speak. And I've heard some amazing sermons, which are always telling the good news of Christ. But this one, the other day, was just so much more. The father of this boy who had passed, he is a pastor, and I've met him a few times and just thought the world of him because he was just so kind and friendly, and he was just someone when you meet him, uh, immediately you think, like, this is a good dude. Like, I really, like, you just can't help but like this guy. But anyway, he came up to speak uh, at the funeral with his, his young daughter. I don't know how old she is, probably five, six, something like that. And, and the first thing that he said was this. He said, I've never been so broken, yet so full. 
And he said, when his son was sick and in the hospital and, and the days after, like he, he, he ran through the whole chain of events, which is just heartbreaking. But he said he clung to this particular scripture because he had people coming into the hospital with him, praying with him, loving on him, trying to hold him up in this tragic time. But he said he read 2 Samuel 12, 16 through 22. Now, this is uh, the story about David. You know, he, he um, the story of him and Bathsheba. He saw Bathsheba. Uh, he lusted after her. He had an affair with her. Her husband, um, David, had killed. So it was this whole sinful thing that happened, right? So this is the story about this. Like, he impregnated her. That's why he sent uh, his um, Uriah to be killed. So she has this baby, and here's where we pick it up. The Lord struck the baby that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became deathly ill. David pleaded with God for the boy. He fasted, went home. He spent the night lying on the ground. The elders of his house stood beside him to get up from the ground, but he was unwilling and would not eat anything with them. On the seventh day, the baby died, but David's servants were afraid to tell him the baby was dead. They said, look, while the baby was alive, we spoke to him, and he wouldn't listen to us. So how can we tell him the baby is dead? He may do something desperate. When David saw that his servants were whispering to each other, he guessed that the baby was dead. So he asked the servants, is the baby dead? He is dead, they replied. Then David got up from the ground. He washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, went to the Lord's house, and worshipped. Then he went home and requested something to eat. So they served him food, and he ate. His servants asked him, why have you done this? While the baby was alive, you fasted and wept, but when he died, you got up and ate food. He answered, while the baby was alive, I fasted and wept because I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let him live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I'll go to him, but he will never return to me. That last line, I'll go to him, but he will never return to me. That means everything. Because in the midst of this awful, painful grief, there's hope, there's light, and there is a promise that this father will be with his son again. And the only way that that could happen was through Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Now, I'm sure that in the midst of this, there was a lot of asking and sobbing and yelling and probably screaming out, why? Why him? Why this young boy? Take me instead, because I know I would. Then he proceeded to share with everyone in attendance the gospel. He shared his faith even with a shattered heart. Even in the hardest time of his life, he told everyone the good news of Jesus. And although that service was sad, and like I said, I felt that weight of the grief just on myself, it was beautiful to see God working and moving and comforting. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people who still have questions as to why this had to happen. And we may never know, but God, who is in control of it all, he does. So 
what is the point of all of this? Well, I think we, and I include me in this, I need to do a better job of this. We need to do a whole lot better at sharing the gospel, the discipling thing. Because, so the Christmas season is coming, it's just around the corner. As a matter of fact, Advent starts next week, November 27th. So I'm asking and pleading with all of you who listen and believe in Christ to make these next few months mean something. I'm asking you not only to invite friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, anybody to church, but to be intentional in speaking to them. And you don't have to make it weird, but share the good news and invite them to join you, not only in church, but in your walk. So often we have a packed Christmas service. And then what happens? It's kind of like business as usual until Easter, when we have it packed again. And then once Easter's over, business as usual. Don't let this opportunity go. Be intentional. So if you do invite a neighbor and they come to church after Christmas, ask them again. Ask them to come over for dinner. And ask them what they think, what they believe. Share what you believe. Share the difference Christ has made in your life. Christmas season is so easy to do that because I have, in my life, had conversations with complete strangers at stores about a Christmas song, a Christmas carol that happened to be playing. I get to explain to them the meaning of that Christmas carol. This is prime time for you to make a difference, for us to expand the kingdom. We just have to make it a priority. Maybe every morning that you wake up, you pray, Lord, use me in some way. Give me boldness. Give me the words to say. Help me talk to somebody about you today. And and I'm not talking about, you don't have to go out to complete strangers. There is a circle of influence that you have in your life that don't know Christ. There's plenty of people we know that we can talk to that we can make a difference in. This is prime time, the Christmas season to do it. You could tell the story of the birth of Christ and then lead into Easter when it comes to that. Like, there's, there's, there's a good four or five months we can really do something great where it's easy. And I'm saying this having seen somebody in the worst time of their life share the gospel make a difference to a room full of about 200 people. And guess what? You don't have to know everything. You have to know how Jesus has impacted your life. That You tell your story. You tell them why you think that this is such a good thing. This free gift that God gives us called salvation, forgiveness, grace. You tell them that, the importance of that. Let that fear go. The fear that stops us from talking to people about Jesus. Cut off the excuses and and let's follow the Great Commission. Make disciples, baptizing them, and then spending the rest of our lives helping them grow. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but that is a work that's worth it. So that's really what I have today. Hopefully this 
inspired you to do something, to, to want to do your part in sharing the gospel. So I will see you next time. Thank you.